Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. This week, is Israel moving toward one state or two? It appears that almost all the political moves in Israel and the PA and Hamas are shifting in advance of the White House peace team's rollout of their plan. Which way the wind is blowing is anyone's guess as the world awaits the rollout of President Trump's peace plan for Israel and the Palestinians. Trump has added staff to his Middle East peace team who will describe the plan as a pragmatic outline for resolving the conflict. Until now, the team have avoided using the term two-state solution, which has led Palestinians to believe the plan will not give them their own sovereign state. Also in this broadcast, a vision. Stay tuned. The nation-state bill could be a possible step toward preparing Israelis and the world for the Trump team and Israel's next move, whatever that is, The nation-state bill effectively sets up the two-state scenario because it divides Israelis and Palestinians along language parameters since Arabic is now downgraded to special status in Israel while Hebrew is now the national language of Israel. But it can also be construed as coming to a one-state solution. The Palestinians voted in 2003 to make Arabic their official language of Palestine if they ever become a state within Israeli borders. And now the nation-state bill might also be a prelude to annexation, a one-state solution. The Middle East Eye reported on July 22nd that Israel's new nation-state bill was a prelude to annexation. This week, Israel denied it is preparing to annex any part of Palestinian territory. But Abbas is making moves. These do not necessarily imply he is dangling from the end of a political rope. In the past few days, Abbas and Fatah senior officials have warned Hamas against striking any peace deal with Israel before the PA and Hamas have a chance to reconcile. Abbas was in Qatar this week for talks on the Fatah-Hamas reconciliation. The reason for Fatah's request is because they perhaps believe Trump's peace plan is aimed at ending the Palestinian cause. The Arabs are also alarmed that the U.S.'s proposals could be tilted too far in Israel's favor. And there is more talk of Abbas preparing to dissolve the PA as he encourages Hamas to continue its assaults on Israel and not accept a ceasefire in a first-time alliance between the PA and Hamas. Dissolving the PA could be a move to throw the West Bank and Gaza into an uproar or might be seen as a move toward cooperating with annexation. At this point, no one knows which scenario will happen. However... It appears that Israel is frantically trying to avoid internal war with Hamas and the PA when Iran attacks. 
According to Wadi Abu Nassar, director of the International Consultations Center in Haifa, Israel is seeking a truce with Hamas in order to get ready for confrontation with Iran. The Israeli Security Cabinet this week held a secret meeting with local media reporting that cabinet members likely agreed to sign a truce with the Hamas in Gaza. Abu Nassar expected that Israel was heading for a comprehensive truce with Hamas in order to prevent a potential escalation in Gaza at a time when Israel is working to deal with Iran's presence in Syria. The UN's envoy Nikolay Mladenov has made several visits to the Gaza Strip recently, meeting in a fortified location to prevent leaks to news outlets. Also, in a surprise move last week, Mahmoud Abbas fired a very popular member of the PA Parliament. Issa Karaki, head of the PLO's Committee for Detainees and Ex-Detainees, firing can be seen as positioning the PA either to comply with or fight against the coming Trump peace plan. According to the J-Post, the decision to dismiss Karaki was linked to growing U.S. and Israeli pressure on the PA leadership to halt payments to security prisoners and families of Palestinians killed in attacks on Israel. Karaki was known to oppose the PA government's economic sanctions against the Gaza Strip that include, among other things, halting payments to former security prisoners living in the Hamas-ruled coastal enclave. No official reason was given for the decision to fire Karaki, but one official said the decision is purely political and, in the wake of the growing American and Israeli pressure on President Abbas to halt the payments, The move was done to avoid accusations that the PA government was using U.S. and EU funds to reward terrorists. Hamas claimed that is exactly why Karaki was fired, but also included the problem of prisoner swaps. Regarding a possible prisoner swap, Hamas said the Israeli elections, which might take place in March 2019, could undermine the efforts to reach a prisoner swap. Abbas's move can be taken one of two ways. Either he is preparing to install someone who will be a bulwark against using Israeli and PA prisons as part of a swap deal, or he will install someone who will agree to a full prisoner swap in exchange for dissolving the PA government altogether. Perhaps Abbas will manage this ministry position himself during this time of uncertainty, since Egyptian and UN efforts to reach a swap deal could lead to ending the current Palestinian crises. Anticipation of Trump's plan is causing a rift in the House of Saud. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman had appeared ready to pressure Palestinians to accept the White House's offer, but his father, King Salman, has reassured Palestinian leaders of the kingdom's continued support until the issue of Jerusalem as a shared capital is reopened. In any case, the new nation-state bill was well-timed and seems to clear the path for the next step, whether that is 
two states or annexation to create one state. Overnight on Wednesday, Hamas started firing missiles into Israel again in what is likely a message against a truce. Eighty rockets were fired at southern Israel, bringing the total number of rockets fired by Hamas in this round to over 150. Twenty-five rockets were intercepted by the Iron Dome missile defense system, but several landed in open territory, causing no harm. Others landed in civilian areas, including direct hits in homes in Sederot and Hof Ashkelon, where 17 Israelis were injured. In response, IDF carried out over 100 strikes targeting Hamas terror cells, rocket launch pads, and tunnels. Three Palestinians were reported dead by the Palestinian Health Ministry, including 30-year-old Hamas activist Ali Gandur, son of senior Hamas commander Abu Anas Gandur. Now let's talk about the nation-state bill. Justice Minister Ayelet Shaked warned the High Court of Justice to not overturn the nation-state law, saying such a move would be an earthquake, a war between the authorities. She also said that the new law does not harm minorities, but explained that action should be taken to deal with the pain of the Druze community. Well, if the bill doesn't harm minorities, why should additional action need to be taken to protect one of the minorities over others? Two major funders of Israel, the Jewish Federations of North America and the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, joined the other loud voices now crying out against the bill. Both organizations donate many millions of dollars to Israel annually. And now, fighting for the right to sin in Israel. Israel's Jews are fighting over homosexuality this week. More than 200 righteous rabbis from Israel's national religious sector published a letter condemning surrogacy and adoption by gays and described homosexuals as perverts, according to the Jerusalem Post on July 26, 2018. The letter stated that most Israelis are shocked by the provocation and loss of way by the abomination groups which hold insolent parades in Israeli cities and even held these parades on Tisha B'Av, a national day of grief for the destruction of the temple, destroyed due to incest and unjustified hatred among others. Hooray for these rabbis speaking out. Most news outlets slammed these men calling Israel to a higher righteousness including the Jerusalem Post from which I just quoted. The rabbis said that most Israelis are against homosexuality in Israel. However, a recent poll showed 56% of the Jewish public support the recent LGBT protests, while only 33% oppose them. This is an indicator of the split in the ultra-Orthodox community whose own men have homosexual contact at least once per month, according to a Haaretz poll taken in 2014. 
The rabbis also accused the LGBT rights groups of aggressive terror accompanied by non-stop media brainwashing as if there is some sort of family here destroying the notion of a family and turning the perverts into heroes. Now that's what I'm talking about. The father always has his minority, his remnant to speak righteousness to his people. Unfortunately, the Jewish religious culture the world over agree that homosexuality is righteous and is in need of protection. Close to 600 U.S. and Canadian rabbis from across the spectrum of Judaism signed a letter calling on Orthodox rabbis in Israel to retract their recent letter that describes gay people as perverts who are striving to destroy the notion of family. The abomination among Yahweh's own people on his holy soil is just one of the reasons Israel is now looking over its shoulder to see if Iran is coming. And speaking about Iran, the Trump administration has reimposed economic sanctions against Iran as promised. Iran is now calling for the U.S. to come to the table for negotiations after its withdrawal from the JCPOA. Rouhani said the sanctions are psychological warfare against the Iranian nation to create divisions among the people. Debka.com reports that secret Iranian agents have been traveling to Washington in past weeks, even in the face of the economic chaos created by the looming sanctions. The Iranians have been seeking terms for direct or indirect talks with the U.S., on a renegotiated nuclear deal. Debka's sources report that Washington has neither rejected these feelers nor given Tehran a clear go-ahead. The Americans may be waiting for the sanctions to take full effect before agreeing to sit down formally with the Iranians. It has become known that Donald Trump and his Secretary of State Mike Pompeo are at odds over Iran. Donald Trump says he is ready to meet with Iran without preconditions, while Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has preconditions. Going to a negotiating table without preconditions is either a show of great confidence or one of fear, both of which are usually a bad idea. Preconditions show who has the upper hand in most cases. In fact, Pompeo has laid out 12 preconditions he thinks Trump should operate from. Russia said it is deeply disappointed by the United States' reimposition of sanctions on Iran, while Syria described the move against its longtime ally as illegal and driven by arrogance. The question of Iran's future quest for a nuclear program is once again in play, but Experts believe Iran will not develop a nuclear program, although it is highly likely they will continue enriching uranium for such a bomb. The truth is that 
Iran has no need to develop nuclear weapons since its close ally North Korea already has them and is willing to sell to Iran. The problem for Iran is not the availability of weapons but the fuel to go inside them. Iran is known to have enriched uranium in the past. Starting their enrichment program again will supply all they need. Now let's talk again about that stone that fell from the western wall. That stone that fell from the western wall has gotten the attention of the Israeli government. An architectural survey is taking place at the western wall to ensure the safety of praying people. The article, titled, The Western Wall is Falling Apart After 2,000 Years, reminded me of Yeshua's words that not one stone would be left standing in the city. Many have said Yeshua's words are not true since some stones are still standing even though the Western Wall was not part of the temple, but Temple Mount's retaining wall. Yeshua was speaking of the actual temple and not the retaining wall, but further destruction is coming as Bible prophecy watchers all know. And now I want to share a waking vision from the Father. It isn't every day that one receives a vision intended for all of Yahweh's people. Usually dreams and visions pertain to the individual only, which is why most dreams and visions only come once. A dream or vision intended to be shared, and one that is written in stone, as it were, needs a second witness. Joseph's dreams were always corroborated by witnesses, in most cases his family. Egypt's pharaoh's dreams intended for the entire nation of Egypt was confirmed by Joseph. The Babylonian king Belshazzar's vision of a hand writing on the wall of his palace was confirmed by Daniel when Belshazzar's own magicians could not decipher the vision. Deciphering a dream or vision is part of the corroboration required for it to be a message to the entire Israel nation. That's all of us, Jews, Christians, Hebrew roots believers, all. Yahweh gave me such a vision which was corroborated almost immediately by someone very far away from me geographically. So I interviewed the man especially for this broadcast. Stay tuned and keep listening. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Kimberly Rogers Brown thanking you for listening to the Jerusalem Report produced by BeastWatchNews.com and asking you to send your support. A donation of any size to BeastWatchNews.com. It costs money to run ministries, to teach the word, interpret the prophecies, and to keep websites online. Trust me, we sure do appreciate it. And remember, you can read the transcript of today's broadcast under the Jerusalem Report at BeastWatchNews.com I have with me a friend 
someone who has corroborated a vision that I believe Yahweh gave me and one that the Lord wants me to announce to you. And uh, so with me on this interview is my friend Raphael Trevino. How are you, Raphael? Oh, I am blessed. Thank you. I'm honored to be with you, Kimberly. Let me just go into a little bit of what happened. On Sunday, this past Sunday, my husband and I were in a restaurant, and I was able to look out of a big picture window. I was sitting right next to the window, and I could see the red sea, and I was just enjoying seeing the red sea and looking over and seeing a lot. And as I was viewing this, suddenly my physical eyes were obscured and I had a vision of three Iranian warships sitting in the Gulf of Aqaba all the way up to the very tip of Aqaba and they had their guns pointed at a lot and I said to my husband they're destroying a lot and I started to cry and I said that must mean something where is the United States we have the United States has a a military base over in the Negev. We have military bases here in Jordan. Where is the United States? Where is Israel? Where's Jordan? Where's anything? How did those Iranian ships get this far up into the port of Aqaba? Well, I looked at him, Raphael, and I said, that means there's been a defeat. And when I meant, when I said defeat, I meant that probably the king of the north has uh, swept through the southern part of the Middle East, as it says in Daniel 11, verses 40 to 45, but also that it was possible in my mind at that moment that the United States had been defeated on American soil as well. That flashed through my mind very quickly. And so we (laughs) we were sitting there eating, and I was being weepy and apologizing to my husband and he said well you don't need to apologize to me for that so he opens up his phone and this is about 45 minutes later he opens up his phone and he has this text from you and it said that Isaiah 21 had been laid on your heart on Shabbat and that you believed The Lord wanted you to tell me that I should read Isaiah 21. Yes, uh, it was uh, it was a heavy burden. I was praying on uh, on Shabbat. It was around uh, 530, I I believe, in the afternoon. Uh, You guys are eight hours ahead. So as I'm praying and I had these 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 this list of things that I was praying for, I heard clearly Isaiah 21 and I said okay Lord I will look at it but I continued praying and I heard it again and I've learned in in, in my walk that whenever Abba gives me a, a something twice uh, I, I better pay attention so I closed uh, my prayer and I opened my Bible and I went to Isaiah 21 and what struck me was that whether I had read this before uh, I did. I didn't remember it, or it, ne- it didn't strike me as anything at the time that I might have read it. 
and, and so it was like a br- brand new scripture and 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 the thing that struck me just just starting in Isaiah 21 is that it's that that it talks about the Negev and about the Red Sea and as I'm reading it I get this heavy burden that I must I must let you know about it and I started thinking to myself well if if I do this right now it's the middle of the night for them and and I don't want to do that and on top of that I I try not to use my phone at all uh, during Shabbat. So I decided to wait. I went to sleep, and uh, and the Lord woke me up really early in the morning with this burden. So I came uh, downstairs, and I, and, I, and I sent the text message. And uh, being at, uh, I think it was something like 4.30 or 4.45 my time. Uh, but I had that, that just, that, that burden, burden of, of sending it. As a matter of fact, after I sent it, I, I went, went back in to pray and I, and I kind of felt a peace that I had done it. And I, I, I had not known that, that you had read it already. So this was definitely from the Father. You know, one of the things that I know about you, uh, Raphael, is that you are a man of God. You do pray. You do listen to the Lord. You've had amazing things happen in your life. And you are in the ministry. So you're a person that really pays attention to the Father. Before we go further in this, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you're doing in ministry right now, and even a little bit about your latest foray going to Israel <laughs> for Passover. Yes, it, w- it was quite amazing. Yes, we are we are involved in uh, very heavily involved in in prison ministry. We go into uh, state prisons and we take in the good news of Yeshua Messiah. And uh, on top of that, we mentor prisoners one-on-one, trying to prepare them for their reintegration back into society. Unfortunately, our penal system or our justice system does not put any effort into uh, rehabilitation or or preparing this, these men to to be productive uh, members of society. And and they have seen, and we have seen that this begins with a full transformation of the heart and the only one that that can do that is our lord so as bringing uh yeshua as a as a cornerstone the foundation stone for that transformation we have seen amazing things with uh with these men um we've seen uh hardened criminals uh break down and cry we've seen uh signs wonders and miracles and and I can I can probably take ten hours just giving you testimonies of the things that that we have seen seen inside. But the key is is that the Father has a heart for the least, what we would consider the least of the least. And these men, many of them, have been written off, uh, and some rightfully so by their families. They have no one to write to them. Nobody uh, really cares about them. And uh, when you bring in that the the love, the agape love, uh, as described in the scriptures to them, it really is amazing to see the transformation. Wow. Well, you had an amazing trip to Jerusalem for Passover. And, you know, I've been calling people to come to the feasts in Jerusalem. And 
you, you, I don't know if you heard me call people, but I know the Lord called you. And, yes. And we met you. <laughs> it was a miraculous meeting the, uh, to the meet you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I would like for you to share your story about sure. getting to Jerusalem with no money. <laughs> for Passover before I go on with the with the vision. Sure, absolutely. It's uh, I was on on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic and we were preparing to go up into the mountains. When we go on these mission trips, we we try to go where nobody goes. So we were preparing to go up into the mountains where there was some a uh, community of Haitians that are discriminated even even by the Dominicans because they're not they're not Dominicans. So they live in abject poverty and I, and and I was taking a a cold shower I remember and and as I'm I'm, I'm taking a shower I'm praying and I'm asking Abba to give me give me the words and what he wants me to convey to these people and as I'm praying I hear clearly Jerusalem for Passover and I said what <laughs> and I heard it again it's Jerusalem for Passover and uh, please understand that at that particular moment the furthest thing from my mind and my heart was Jerusalem for Passover so uh, <laughs> I came back <laughs> and I came back to the United States I shared it with several people and, uh, and I remember a brother told me, well, I think you got to go. And I said, well, I think so. But there, you know, if, if, if I'm going to go, he's have to make a way where there is no way because I just don't see this happening. Uh, as, as time went along, this was in September. As, as time went along, I, I got involved uh, in, in ministry. And, and I, like I said, I mentor several, several inmates and several men that have already gotten out and and I really was tied down with that and but uh, but I still had it in the back of my mind but towards November I receive a phone call from my boss at that time and and he says uh, Rafael I have a bit of bad news uh, the company is doing some downsizing and your position is is going to be eliminated you can keep your job, but if, in order for you to do that, you would have to move all the way up to Dallas. I'm in, in the tip of Texas, in South Texas, and uh, you would have to move north up to Dallas to be able to keep your position. And if not, then we're gonna we're sorry, but we're gonna have to lay you off and and offer you just a severance package. And I said, wow, you know this this it, it kind of caught me off off guard. Um, uh, I went to the Lord, and 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 at this time, the Lord uh, started saying a phrase to me, which is, "You have to trust that the manna will be there in the morning." And I said, "Okay, Lord." So uh, fast forward, getting close to the time of of the Passover, nothing had happened. I, we were struggling financially. My wife was working, but we were struggling, but we were getting by and the manna was there, you know, all the bills were paid and everything, but I just didn't see a way that we could, uh, that I could make it for, for, uh, for Passover to Jerusalem. But I kept, I had that, that, that burden kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier in my heart that I had to go to Jerusalem for Passover. So, uh, as we near towards, uh, February, uh, I started 
I heard somebody tell me a modern day parable of the two farmers. There were two farmers and, and both, both of them asked for, for the rain, but only one of the farmers prepared the ground to receive the rain. So, uh, I decided that I was going to prepare the ground for, for the father to, to, to send me the rain so I could go to, to Jerusalem. And I started looking for, uh, for, for a way to stay over there, hotels and, and all these things. And all of a sudden, uh, it was open for me to get a place in Jerusalem and it was, it was really miraculous. Uh, so I said, wow, you know, now I have a place to, to stay. And, but I still didn't have the money for the tickets or anything like that. But I said, you know, I trusted that the manna would be there. And then all of a sudden, uh, in February, my wife, who had been uh, working uh, uh, in, uh, for a long time in, in, in a law firm, also got the same notice that she was going to be uh, laid off. So I, I went to the father and I said, uh, Father, I know that you can do all things, but we're kind of going backwards here, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun when the Lord tells you to do something and you're sliding backwards, right? No, it, it was it was it was a hit, but I kept hearing Kimberly. I just kept hearing it in my spirit, the spirit, the, 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 this peace, and that you know that I had to trust that the man I would be there in the morning. So uh, it came to March, and uh, we have a. A big event inside the prison. Uh, we have a retreat, a four-day retreat, where where we have 42 men come and and really have an encounter with their Messiah. And I was really busy with that uh, uh, and 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 getting that ready. But this this is about a month away from uh, from Passover, and I still didn't have all the money for the tickets. I have a I had about half of it, and then it kind of dried up. I continued with that, and then the the time kept approaching after that, and the no money would come in, and no money would come in, and uh, and I said, Father, I mean, I just I just don't don't see this happening. Number one and number two, unfortunately, like we do, our carnal uh, mind uh, also starts start thinking things that that you shouldn't. And I started thinking this is the worst time for me to go and. And you know what? What am I doing? And all these things. <laughs> and so it gets right, and 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 this is uh, the amazing part. It gets right to the day before I'm supposed to leave, and I'm looking at. I don't have the money yet. I I had about half of the money for the ticket, but because you know, as you get closer to the time, the tickets go up. Right. So I had half in the beginning. Now at this time, I only had about a quarter of what it was would cost. And I'm looking at the and I'm saying, "There's no way this is going to happen." And uh, and I had just looked at all the tickets and the pricing, and and uh, all of a sudden, the day before, at, uh, at around noon, I get a phone call from a dear, dear brother in Christ, and uh, and he, he Messiah, he said, uh, "Brother." You're not going to believe this, but Allah told me you need some money and just tell me how to to get it to you. (laughs) And I said, okay. (laughs) So I didn't tell him anything else. I just gave him the the account number and he deposited in my account at that moment more than enough for me to buy the ticket. It was not going to be enough for me to have money in Jerusalem, though, but uh, I said, "Well, uh, Father, I'm just gonna I'm gonna walk with my faith, and I'm just gonna 
going to buy the ticket. And uh, my wife was worried about that. So, but we, I went ahead. I looked at the at the plane tickets. I I saw these uh, the, the 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 prices. And then all of a sudden, and I asked the, the father to give me favor. All of a sudden, I see this one ticket, one ticket in one side, wow. and it says it has the amount that it was months ago. And that one ticket also meant that I was not going to have a layover on a Muslim country. It was it was with a lay, layover in Newark, and I was going to have enough money, at least enough money, to be able to to eat while I was in Jerusalem. Wow! And, and I bought that ticket. And uh, it was amazing. It it was amazing. I got to Jerusalem. Uh, the father, uh, once I was there, he had me walk around the walls of Jerusalem and pray for the city. He specifically told me to pray for the Muslims. He told me to pray for the Christians. He told me to pray for the Jews. Uh, he told me to pray for the peace of Jer- Jerusalem. But I was there for Passover and I was by myself. And I thought, well, you know, I'm here, Father, but, you know, I'm by myself and and I will do what you I know what you have for me and I will continue to be obedient. But I did, did feel, you know, far away from my family and all these things. And and so Shabbat came, Passover came and uh, I had sent before I left, I had sent an email to a brother, uh, a believer, a Hebrew roots believer like like we are. And, and I had told him that I was going to be in Jerusalem. And that I would have uh, would like you know to fellowship while I'm I'm there have somebody to fellowship, and this brother never answered me. Um, I left uh, and and there was no answer. So because I had walked so much during during the before Passover, I had blisters in my feet and I was exhausted. I decided that for Shabbat I was just going to go ahead and rest and and sleep in since I had really nothing else to do. And I did that. I woke up at 11 in the morning, and those that know me uh, know that that is very unusual for me. I'm as I'm, I'm somebody that w- likes to wake up really early in the morning, and I was so exhausted. And and uh, I, I saw the, the the clock that it was 11 in the morning, and I and I just decided, you know what? I'm not even going to get out of bed. I'm just going to continue sleeping. And as I put my head on the pillow, I I, I hear get up, and I said, Abba, I don't want to. What am I going to get up for? And he said, get up. And so I got up and I said, okay. And I sat up on my bed and I grabbed my phone. And as I grabbed my phone, an email comes in and it's an email from this brother. And the email says, uh, Rafael, I'm sorry for the, you know, the, the delay in answering you. He said, I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm, I'm on a sailing trip. So I have no internet and I, I barely saw your email. But if you still want a fellowship with someone, why, why don't you head on over to Independence Park? And at 2 p.m., there is always a gathering of, of Hebrew Roots Messianic believers in Independence Park. And I said, wow, OK. So I didn't know where Independence Park was. And I, I Googled it right away. And it was about a, a four kilometer walk for me, so which which was not uh, bad at all. And I decided to head on over there. And as I go over there, I realize I'm walking on the uh, Bethlehem on the way of, from Bethlehem to uh, Jerusalem, uh, realizing that uh, our, our Messiah would have walked that way. And it was such a blessing getting there. And I meet all these wonderful people, wonderful people. 
that are praising the Lord in Independence Park. And uh, one of them, uh, well, a couple, they asked me, uh, uh, hey, we're having a Bible study not far from here uh, at four. Do you want to come? And I said, sure, absolutely. And we go to this wonderful apartment. It's called the Windows of Jerusalem with an overview of the old city. And I get to meet you guys. (laughs) 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 I remember you sitting across the room. (laughs) (laughs) And it was such a blessing uh, to see. And and all I could think was... uh, not even 24 hours before I was walking the streets of Jerusalem by myself, not knowing anybody. And now I have all these wonderful brothers and sisters and, and everybody uh, is, is, is asking me uh, questions and Abba made, made it, put it on my heart to share how I got there. And, uh, and, and it was, I think it was, it was one of the most blessed times that I had, there in Jerusalem, uh, gathering with all you guys. Yeah, we we really enjoyed having you, and uh, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you better. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Join the Rambo and Brown Jerusalem Tour at Sukkot 2018 for only $199 for three days or $74 a day for a single day in case you can't attend all three days. We will visit the important sites in Jerusalem Old City plus Mount Herzl and Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum. You will see amazing archaeological evidence of Jerusalem and Temple Mount going back thousands of years. This year in Jerusalem, you're back in Texas, and of course, we're in Jordan, mm-hmm. um, in Aqaba, but we've, we have stayed in touch, and there are yes. reasons for that, but the, the point is that you are a man that walks with God, and so when I had this vision, and then you sent me Isaiah 21, and I read that, I just was, I was stunned because I've had a life where I've had a lot of visions and a lot of dreams throughout my life, but most of them just pertain to me. The thing about corroborating a vision when it pertains to everyone is that there needs to be another witness. If God wants a message to go out, to his people, he needs to have a second witness to yes. that message. And you were the second witness. And the Isaiah 21 passage is about the falling of Babylon. Yes. And it answered everything that I had wondered about that vision as we were sitting there having lunch, looking out at the Red Sea. And what stunned me was that it says, here is a message about the desert by the sea. Now, that's talking about Elat and also about Aqaba because that finger is surrounded by desert, that Red Sea finger. Um, It says, like strong winds blowing in the south. And where is Elat? In the south, one invades from the desert. From a land that is feared. Who does Israel fear right now? Iran. But guess what? In verse 2 it says. This is Isaiah speaking. 
I have received a distressing message. The deceiver deceives, the destroyer destroys. Attack, you Elamites. Lay siege, you Medes. I will put an end to all the groaning. Who are the Elamites and the Medes? They are the that's an ancient, ancient name for the Persians before they were called Persians. The Medes have always been called the Medes until re recently. They're now called Kurds. But the um, <laughs> this is the ancient Medo-Persian Empire. And that's what I was looking out. I was looking I was looking out that window and seeing that ancient Persian Empire that we now call Iran getting ready to attack a lot. And it says down here in verse 9, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. My audience will have to go read it. But it says, look at what's coming. A charioteer, a team of horses. When questioned, he replies... Babylon has fallen, fallen. That's a direct reference to the book of Revelation. Yeah, that, yes, so Revelation 18.2, yes. Yes. It's, it, yes. It, is, it is amazing. And, it, and this uh, chapter also is parallel with Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 47. But uh, this is, which if, you, if, if, if your audience can go and read Isaiah 13, they will see that it's, it is also a reference to a future time just like revelation right and and in this passage it says that the prophet is supposed to tell about this vision that isaiah had and i believe that it's very possibly similar to the one that i had or that the one that i had is similar to the one that isaiah had here in isaiah 21 so uh it, this has just been it was amazing and and uh you and I when we spoke about this uh we mentioned and you you made it uh made a comment to me because I didn't understand but as we go down to verse uh 16 it says uh and I'm reading for from the King James and it says for for thus hath the Lord said unto me within a year according to the years of an hireling Right. And I and I was I was struck by it, but I didn't know what what that meant. And I and I asked you, I said, Kimberly, you do, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And you said, Well, this is a jubilee, which right. is what you have been talking about in your programs. And I, this is amazing. Yes, yeah. Uh, the the year of the hireling is the year in the shemitah and the jubilee years. The two that come together is when the hireling gets released from their six years of servanthood and so the other thing about that too is that i have recently said that israel declared a jubilee for themselves they left out all the rest of the hebrews in the world but the messiah in isaiah uh, 61 says that he declares the jubilee he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. And so I don't want anybody to think that either one of us are saying that these things are going to happen within a year. Right. But but I'll tell you what, Raphael, I was thinking about this. 
and it seemed to me like what's going to happen will happen either within the next seven years because now we're starting a new cycle under what the Jews have said. The Lord is going to go ahead and go with that. Mm-hmm. So probably within the the next seven years, the Messiah will declare his jubilee. Or it could go out all the way to another 50 years. We right. don't We don't know when this is all going to happen. But he did say in verse 2, it's a dire vision that was announced to him. And yes. this is an important aspect of having a vision that like this that they it needs to be announced and it says here in verse 17 that the Lord God of Israel has spoken mm-hmm. yes and I think he's made it clear not only by the vision that he has given you but by the timing of the the quick timing of the corroboration it's amazing that you got you have the uh, witness of it from uh, halfway around the world within (laughs) minutes while you were still sitting there looking at it. Right, and unfortunately, you're still living in Babylon. (laughs) Yes. uh, Believe me, I see that every day. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know you have um, some things that you need to get to, but thank you for uh, being willing to corroborate this vision Yes, it's, it's been a, a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. And I know that this is uh, from the Father, and I know that uh, it's a message for the times that we're living in. Yes, yes, very much so. So everybody needs to be paying attention to what's going on. Yes, yes. Because what's happening over here is what's going to be happening over there. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, we're still as fast asleep over here as you, as you I, know. I know. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, listen, you have a great day, and we'll Thank be talking you. soon. Thank you. Blessings. Okay, Bye-bye. you too. Bye-bye. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers-Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end-of-days Bible prophecy.